And welcome back to what I like to call From Nonsense to God Sense, where we take a look at some of the issues going on in this world, and we look at them through a biblical perspective in hopes that maybe we find clarity, maybe we find purpose, and maybe we just kind of don't get wrapped up in all the craziness that this world sometimes has to offer. And one of the exciting times of the year is the Holy Week of Easter. We just got through... uh, Good Friday, and we're coming up on Easter as the as of the time of this taping. And with me is Dan Delzell, and and Dan, it's got to be exciting as a pastor to be able to have a time where you're focused on the resurrection because you spend all year talking about the gospel and the saving grace and Jesus dying on the cross, saving us from our sins. But then at Easter time, it's an opportunity to really have something tangible because we've talked about the you know people having faith and believing in something that they can't see. But here's something that's a, an event that can be a little bit more tangible. And people at this time are usually a little bit more in tune with religion. So it's a great opportunity, I would imagine, as a pastor to be able to really get people uh, the message of the gospel because they're asking for it. Well, it definitely is, Son, and it's great to be with you again. And what an amazing topic that we get to talk about today. Uh, It's really uh, wonderful how every year uh, we have this built-in opportunity here that's really, you know, part of what would be considered the church year, although it's part of culture as well uh, from that angle. You know, even those who uh, you know, don't have really any church connection, um, they, they have a sense of, of Easter. And, and even though for them it might only be about the Easter bunny, it gives us as Christians an opportunity to uh, really celebrate the real meaning of Easter, to invite people to consider uh, the Easter message. And especially now with the coronavirus, what a unique opportunity to provide this message of hope, encouragement, and and meaning uh, through the message of Easter. So, yes, Don, you're exactly right. It is a great opportunity that we gear up for, and, and this year the messaging will be as strong as ever, uh, even though it'll be online messaging uh, rather than face-to-face in person. Um, you know, we'll just utilize that technology and ask the Lord to uh, to really help people um, consider Christ, and then uh, hopefully and prayerfully, many will open their hearts to the Savior uh, this Easter. Now, you mentioned the Easter Bunny, and before we get into the meat of the conversation, just the Easter Bunny came to mind when you mentioned it, and I can understand that in society, we like to commercialize everything, and, um, you know, for example, at Christmas, we give gifts, and I know that maybe the correlation there is that the three wise men brought gifts to Jesus, and so maybe that's why we give gifts, I don't know, but with Easter... It's kind of crazy that we have Easter being represented by a bunny, which I don't Mm -hmm. think is anywhere in the Bible. And then this bunny lays eggs, and then we hunt for these eggs, and a bunny in real life, a rabbit, doesn't lay eggs. And so it just seems very kind of convoluted that we have this societal bunny, eggs, and Easter Mm -hmm. coming together. Well, it it really is. In in some ways, it is uh, quite odd, I would say, Son. Um, you know, I, I wonder if perhaps for folks who don't understand and appreciate and believe in the real message of Easter, just like, you know, there would be those at Christmas that would make a big deal out of Santa Claus, but they don't have any real concept of, of uh, what it means that, that, you know, the Savior was born in Bethlehem. So also at Easter, those who don't really have any concept of, of what the resurrection of Jesus means for people today and for eternity— um, maybe it's this, you know, folks sometimes grasping for something to be able to celebrate so they don't get left out of the celebration. But I, I guess it's just a testament to the power of the gospel that, that, that Christmas and Easter, because these are such obviously monumental uh, events in Christianity, the fact that 
even you know all of culture has been been pervaded with at least the time of year the the uh the name of the event at least even if the message kind of gets lost in translation by those who rather than just taking a little bit of time to uh consider what it's really about you know choose to opt for just something very playful very fun which again you know as christians we're you know, we, we, we love those things as well, opening gifts and, you know, Easter egg hunts and things for the kids. I mean, all that. I mean, Christians enjoy and, and, and are, are happy to do. But, um, you know, it, yeah, it's interesting that, that so many uh, seem to approach those, those high and holy days and events with just very much a secular mindset. But I guess it shouldn't surprise us because until a person is a believer, what other mindset, you know, could you possibly have? You know, not to get in, into it too much, but I know there's some people, uh, Christians, that believe that we should just be completely separated. And there's other mm-hmm. Christians that are like, you know, it's okay to have Easter egg hunts and things like that for the little ones. Is is that okay? Mm-hmm. Is it okay for Christians to participate in uh, in having like an Easter egg hunt and things like that if they really know the true meaning of Easter and they're celebrating that? But then on the side, yeah. to be able to celebrate yeah. kind of some of the Easter egg fun stuff that we do. Yeah, you, you know, son, uh, I think really this would fall into that category of a secondary issue that, for example, Romans 14 talks about, where it, it talks about differences among uh, believers. You know, it, at that time, there were, uh, you know, some folks who were saying, well, you got to worship on this day, or others are saying, no, it doesn't matter what day you worship on, or, or uh, you know, some were saying, well, no, you, you shouldn't be eating that meat because it was sacrificed to an idol there in that temple. Now you're going there and you're buying it in the market there, and, and you shouldn't be buying that. So anyway... Um, those sorts of issues arose and they became matters of conscience for believers and the believers did not land at the same spot on that. And so what Paul was attempting to do then in Romans was to lay out this principle that, that, um, that each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. And, and so Paul basically laid out, you know, whichever way you go on that, um, you know, the important thing is, is to do it in faith. Um, don't, don't make it a, a gospel issue. Don't make it a matter of salvation because it isn't. Um, whichever way they landed on that day of worship or, or eating meat, sacrificed to idols, you, you know, some people decided, hey, I'm going to praise God for this food and eat it, you know, and not, and not worry about that. You know, likewise, I think today, son, I, would, I guess I would say to a Christian, if they have reservations for themselves and their family, let's say participating in an Easter egg hunt, then my counsel to them would be pray about it. And, and follow what you sense is the Lord's leading and follow your conscience. But then I would also caution, I would say, just be aware you might be tempted to try to lay your conviction about a secondary issue on other believers. And, and just in case you don't know, that could create um, some real problems on multiple levels. And so uh, we, this is why it's very important that we, we make sure that people understand this is in a, in a, in a matter of, of secondary issues. And, and it's kind of like, you know, think of it this way, son. Some Christians choose to, um, to send their children to a Christian school, others to a public school, others to homeschool. Uh, well, that's a personal conviction. Um, you know, each parent is seeking to do uh, what, what he or she is a Christian, a, a couple, what, what, they're, what they're feeling led to do. And so likewise, you know, uh, you know, I mean, like for us, at least, I mean, in our family, you know, we've always had, you know, for our kids, you know, Easter egg hunts, and I think many Christians do. But if somebody feels, you know, hey, that's just not for us, well, then, hey, uh, then refrain to the glory of God, and and uh, but just be careful that you don't start pushing that. You know your conviction on others, or it will become a tangent, and it will create problems not only in, in your Christian witness, but but also just in your relationships with family and others. 
Yeah, I like that. Don't use secondary issues to create another problem, especially at this time of, of Easter. You know, one of the things that uh, we mentioned, the correlation between Christmas and Easter, and Easter is the resurrection. And at Christmas time, and, and Jesus at Easter was nailed to a cross, a tree. And at Christmas time, you know, we have Christmas trees that we put in our house and gifts under the trees. Mm-hmm. And I believe it was J. Mm-hmm. Vernon McGee when I first heard about this, that the cross is the first Christmas tree because yeah. the cross gives us gifts under that tree, so to speak. Yeah. And yeah. that, you know, and obviously there's, uh, I think some multiple gifts, but you know, obviously salvation and yeah. obviously, you know, then there's hope. We have access to God. You know, we have peace with God. The Holy spirit comes, but I find it fascinating that, you know, when you correlate the two at first, it seems, wow, that's very coincidental, but then really it isn't coincidental because you have Christmas with the tree and the gifts underneath. You have Jesus on the cross and the gifts that he gives yeah. us. And the yeah. fact that we talked about instant gratification in past episodes, the cross's mm-hmm. gifts are really bestowed upon us, even though we do get them immediately with accepting Jesus, but we really mm-hmm. unwrap those gifts, so to speak on the day that we die and we enter into paradise. Yes, on you know I uh, I think that's a great um, a great point that, that uh, pastors and I've made the point you know at Christmas time for example that you know the cross was was the was ultimately the, the the Christmas tree that that God places the gift of salvation under now because Christ gave His life and and died for the sins of the world you know the way I've also described that son is that. You know, when I let's say I'm, I'm presenting a message, you know, uh, to a group, you know, I'll say, hey, uh, you know, there is a uh, there is a, a gift under the tree with your name on it. Uh, I, you know, I mean, I, I believe that the Bible is clear when it says Christ died for sins once for all. So if I'm speaking to a group, son, I don't, you know, wonder. Well, now I wonder, you know, who among this group uh, do you think maybe the Lord wants to save? Um you know, God's word has already said that God wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. So um, I love that uh, that example of, of the cross being a Christmas tree, um, letting people know that through Christ's death, he paid the price to put that gift under the tree, because without his death, there would be no gift there. Without his death and resurrection, we would have um, no hope, no opportunity for forgiveness. And And so, yes, there is that gift there. But as you say, it does take a person to open the gift. And so um, Jesus' first sermon was repent and believe the good news. So that means to turn to God, to um, give him your sin, to believe that Jesus died in your place, and just by faith to receive that gift. And and for some folks, there's a good bit of emotion when they are converted. Uh, Other people, not much emotion. Um, It doesn't matter. You know, it's not about emotion. Uh, It's about faith in the promise of God. Not, you know, looking inside ourselves, or is my faith strong enough? Or I didn't feel what, you know, my friend felt when, you know, he, he, boy, he's just so, you know, uh, emotional over this. I wonder if I'm really converted. Well, these are all just, um, you know, things that can take us uh, away from uh, what what God wants us to focus on, which is just the message itself. Uh, You know, the Bible says we have God's, uh, you know, very great and precious promises. And so it's the promise of eternal life. Uh, just like Jesus told that thief when he was hanging on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. Well, you know, the cool thing, son, is that promise is available to anyone who views himself or herself as, like, you know, I deserve to be like one of those robbers. You know, uh, you know, we're a couple of days away from Good Friday. Um, I deserve to be, uh, you know, hanging on that tree 
but but Jesus, um, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And the, that promise, son, this is so cool. That promise that was spoken to that thief, anyone can apply that to himself or herself today and, and claim that promise because it truly is for everyone. And I think that's a huge reason why um, God has things play out that way. And isn't that neat that how, you know, just in Jesus' final hours, here on earth before his death, um, somebody was getting saved at the last minute of, of their life. They were coming in faith, and it just it just shows that you know what. Even if you know, even if you're lying in a bed, I mean, heaven forbid, any listener today is is uh, quarantined somewhere with coronavirus somewhere, no family around, maybe very few medical personnel coming in and out, but you're lying there in that bed, and and you know your lungs and your heart, everything is just a mess. It looks like you're not going to make it. Even in that hour, you can call on the Lord and say, Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, save me. Uh, Jesus, uh, help me and, and bring me to paradise. And he'll do it, son. And so there is nothing that even comes close to the importance of the Christmas tree, of the cross, the empty tomb of, of Easter. Um, my goodness, I mean, it is just absolutely phenomenal what our God has done to provide a, a way open for salvation for anyone. Uh, anyone who is thirsty, the Bible says, let him come. Whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. Yeah, the um, the religious holidays are so ripe with symbolism and rich with you know stories and but everything comes together and merges together. And when you talk about the thief on the cross, you know we like to get wrapped up in the things that we do. Okay, I did this for Jesus. I led this person to the Lord. I serve in this capacity at the church. I feed the homeless. I do all these things. Right. And in reality, the thief on the cross is the perfect example that all we need to do, well, all we can do really is just yes, believe yes. and let Jesus then do all the work because after all, we can't do anything without him. No, that, that's right, Tom. And I'm, I'm thinking again of like, you know, the, the, the Christmas tree or the family opening the gifts. I mean, you know, how, how ludicrous would it be, Son, for somebody when they're handed a gift? And this, especially a child, let's say, you know, a child is handed a gift and their name is on it. And they've been looking at that gift for some time. They've been looking forward to opening it. Imagine if that child said, no, you know what, rather than this gift, let me, uh, can you guys just wait here? I'm going to go out. I want to buy something for myself. I'm going to wrap it up. I want, to, I want to give myself that. Well, it doesn't work that way. That's not what Christmas is about. You, you don't leave that, that time of opening gifts to go and, you know, buy something for yourself. You can either receive it and open it, or I suppose if you wanted to, very few people probably do this, but you could say, hey, no, I don't think I'll take that today. And it's the same way with the gospel and with salvation. Um, you know, uh, a person can, can receive the, the gift of eternal life, or they can pass on it, but, uh, but it's there. And uh, it won't be there forever. I mean, you know, the, the Bible teaches at the point of the man wants to die and after that, the judgment. And, and so while a person is alive, uh, it's very, very uh, critically important that, that, that he or she, um, you know, meet Christ and open up that gift because it's the only way to make it into heaven forever. And, and so today the Lord is reaching out to anyone who has not yet received that gift and trusted him as Savior. Dan Delzell with me as we're talking about Easter and Holy Week and all the good stuff that comes with it. And Dan, to be honest, okay, I'm well-versed uh, enough in the Bible that sometimes I just kind of leave it on the shelf. So I wanted to kind of refresh myself with uh, with the, the Easter story of Holy Week. And so I went over to the shelf and dusted it off and brushed away the cobwebs, opened up Luke and started reading. And um, 
and the point of that is that there, we always need to be in the scripture because I, I found that even though I've read the story over and over and over again over the years, yeah. that new things come and new things are revealed and it's a, a refreshing, a renewing of, uh, of what we know and what we learn and, and God reveals new things to us all the time, even though we've read yeah. the story over and over and over. One of the things that kind of stood out was, okay, we kind of, I know that, um, how can I put this? I don't say we want to gloss over it, but sometimes we can't really understand just how much suffering that Jesus did for us. I mean, you take a look at, he goes to the garden and he's in the garden after the, uh, the, the last supper and he's yeah. praying and it talks about his, his sweat turns to blood. And yeah. the agony, Lord, let this cup pass from me. And then, of course, from that point on, he gets arrested. And then the agony that he goes through with all the physical description of what he endured with the beatings and the tauntings and being crucified mm-hmm. and, the, and the, uh, the crown of thorns placed on him. But um, do we really miss out? I mean, can we really? I don't think we can. But is there any way that we can really understand just the amount of suffering that Christ did for us. I mean, we look on TV and we see, you know, death reports of this coronavirus and we, and we hear about people suffering and, and, and we kind of like have pain with them and we, and we agonize with them and we feel sorry for them. And, and if you're a parent or if you have a loved one who's sick, you're like, I would do anything to replace you and be sick and so you can be healthy. So we, we understand that. But yet with Jesus, sometimes we just kind of like, oh, he was crucified. Oh, he rose again. Yay. Mm -hmm. Touchdown Jesus. We don't, we kind of miss the point that he really suffered for us. Well, we, we, it's easy to miss that point, Son, and I think what the way it, it, it tends to play out is that anyone, and, and just about everybody does at some point or another in life, uh, and, and some people do a lot of, of personal suffering, but, but I think the way it plays out is that when a person uh, has just personal suffering, I mean, it might be that you're just you know, sick with the flu and feeling horrible, or you might have cancer, or you might have uh, the pain of, of a loss of a loved one. Um, I mean, all of these things are just, you know, they can be gut-wrenching, they can be horrendous things to go through. Some of those I've just mentioned more than others, of course. But I think the point is, Son, while we can't obviously fully relate to the anguish that Jesus went through, um, when we go through suffering, have been through suffering, if we just stop and realize that what our Lord went through was even so much greater than that, and the reason he did that is because it was the only way my sin could be forgiven, and if righteousness could be gained through the law, the Bible says, Paul wrote this, he said, then Christ died for nothing. So if we could earn it, if we could go out and buy our own gift and wrap it up and get to heaven, then Christ died for nothing. But he certainly didn't die for nothing. He died because uh, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness, as the Bible says. And it's not your blood or my blood or anybody's blood that could do it. Not the Apostle Paul, not anyone, only the perfect Lamb of God. Only he could shed his blood. So as you say, Son, I mean, his, in his anguish, you know, it was like drops of blood, you know, there, uh, there as he was just um, really feeling the, the heavy anguish that, that was uh, upon him then and would just be going through the whole time of the flogging and the crucifixion. But, uh, you know, I don't think that we can... Um, have much of a sense of how deep that, that must have been for our Lord. But we can nevertheless come to uh, greatly appreciate it and, and, and embrace the fact that, that he truly did go through great suffering. And this is, son, this is what just makes it, you know, really blasphemous, you know, to you and I and to believers. When, when we hear maybe it's a late night comedian or someone, you know, mocking the Lord, or sometimes we'll hear a very like, uh, and, and they're not even worth mentioning because they're, you know, just graphic displays of blasphemy. I mean, things will, 
things people will either paint or they'll or they'll they'll put into some sort of little skit or or they'll do this or that and and you, it, it's obvious in what they're doing they're just mocking the lord probably mocking christians and it's like do you have any idea what you're doing well they don't son but then again neither did those roman soldiers uh, of whom jesus said father forgive them for they don't know what they do uh so so if if people there when face-to-face with the Son of God and the Savior of the world, if they're going to go through with actually crucifying him, if there are going to be people in a crowd cheering for his crucifixion, then son, what that tells us is that man's sin and hardness of heart is so deep, it is so perverted, it, 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 is, it is so uh, just dark, that, that, he, that man will even choose to crucify the very one who created the world, created us, and was getting ready to give his life there on the cross for us. So if, if that's not if, if that's not opposite of of, of what um, what what you would would hope it would be, um, no wonder we need the Lord to forgive us. No wonder we need a new heart so that we can love God with the love He puts in our heart. Because you know we're we're a mess, all of us. And 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 if if a person starts to go down that path of not appreciating Jesus. Um, they might get to that point where they're, they're one of those who are mocking him, um, maybe even putting together little skits or little pieces of art or whatever it might be that is just blasphemous. And the only way you can even think, you know, begin to wrap your mind around that is, well, you know, um, Satan, uh, who uh, went from being a, a holy angel to being, you know, the devil himself, uh, yeah, when Satan gets a hold of a person's heart, there's no telling how far that hatred for Christ may go. And then Jesus told his disciples, if the world hates you, keep in mind it hated me first. So there's no hatred like hatred for Christ and hatred for Christians. I mean, obviously there's hatred for other uh, groups or hatred for Jews and hatred for others and hatred for different people in, in uh, you know, for racial reasons at times. But, but ultimately Satan is the author of hate. Satan is the author of death. Satan is, is the master of lies. Jesus is the truth. He conquered sin, death, and the devil by his cross and resurrection. And son, what you're what you're hitting on here is that we, we, we can just easily gloss over that. I mean, I've even thought just what you're saying there, son. I mean, you know, we'll 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 read a short little verse in the gospels, you know, and, and they crucified him. And and we won't we won't stop and really ponder that, or we won't think about like maybe you've heard like a medical doctor's explanation of that, and, and uh, it, you know it'd be easy to find that online for anybody who would like to just say, hey, what really did Jesus go through on the cross? What was that suffering like? Well, uh, there there's a very good explanation, probably by more than one, but um, you know one or two medical doctors have, have just gone through that process of his death on the cross, and boy, when you read that, it's just like, oh my goodness, I have, I have no idea what my Lord suffered, you know, for my salvation. Yeah, one of the things that I've found fascinating over the years is that even though people might reject the theology of the Bible, the Bible has been accepted in academia as a historical book, and the things that went on in that uh, book, the Bible, um, are deemed historical events. And so the crucifixion, even though people might not believe he rose again and the theology yeah. of that, they do believe that the, from a historical perspective, Jesus did walk the earth and he did suffer these things. And so 
when you read about the crucifixion, you know, these are real events. These aren't superficial, I mean, uh, supernatural events that we, you know, see Jesus healing or even Jesus's resurrection, but these are real events yeah. that went on at the time that Jesus went through as a human. And, um, and then the, the supernatural comes in when Jesus conquers death and he raises, he rises again from the dead to save us from our sins. But, um, but, but that's the other thing too, is that even, even when we do read this, sometimes as Christians, we might get lost in the fact that, okay, we're reading the Bible, but yet, in real life, this was yeah. going on because this is history and this is real. Well, that's that's exactly right, son. And uh, you know, um, no serious historian, no reputable historian, would ever deny the existence of Jesus Christ of Nazareth or his crucifixion. And and, and what and what son is truly amazing. In fact, uh, I'll have a little clip in my message, my online Easter message this Sunday from Gary Habermas, uh, who has a little clip on this as well. Uh, but he, he, he has talked about how, um, and you mentioned, you know, academia, he has talked about how um, there are so many people today in academia who have, have gotten to the point with the resurrection now where they really cannot, um, they really cannot deny that, that Christ did rise from the dead. As, as wild as that sounds, there has been a real uh, shift in, you know, where, you know, decades ago, very few in academia would have embraced that. But um, it's amazing how many people, when you look at the evidence, and I think the biggest thing, Son, that has convinced people, and then in a moment I'll, I'll say, well, well, then wouldn't everybody who accept that be a believer? Well, I'll, I'll say something about that in a second. But um, I, I think the biggest thing that has convinced um, even skeptics that, 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 that Christ must have risen from the dead is this, Son. There is no other way to explain how that dejected group of followers after the crucifixion would have turned into that, that force to be reckoned with willing to die for a risen Christ that they claim, they claim they saw him, they claim they, they interacted with him. They went out and they died for him. And, and so this evidence on is what has led many in academia to, you know, basically just admit, well, you know, it certainly appears that Christ rose from the dead. Now, the thing that blows my mind is how it, would it be possible then for a person to kind of, you know, um, you know, almost endorse the resurrection while still saying, well, you know, but I'm not, I'm not a follower of Christ. Well, at that point, all you can say, son, is that uh, moral, um, uh, moral reservations and moral resistance is stronger than intellectual reasoning. Because when your mind sees evidence that you really can't argue against, but you still refuse to bow the knee to Jesus as your Lord and receive him as your Savior. The only explanation, and the Bible helps us greatly with this, is that moral resistance is even deeper than intellectual reasoning. So, so while apologetics helps to, um, to, to knock down some of those strongholds in people's minds where they've uh, not been told the truth about the evidence, um, at, at the end of the day, um, unless a person is an honest speaker, willing to go wherever the evidence points them, if, if their bias against the supernatural and against Christ is so great, um, then, then even in some cases they, they, they don't go there. Uh, for example, um, there's, a, there's an amazing uh, website I came across called Explore God. And on my message this past Sunday, it's the Palm Sunday message uh, that is on our, uh, on our Redeemer uh, Facebook page, Redeemer Papillion, Nebraska Facebook page. Um, there I have a testimony of a woman who beautifully and eloquently and graciously described how what she was raised on and the atheism that she embraced 
And we're not no animosity toward Christians or anything like that, but she just that just wasn't anything she was taught. And, and how she she began to to learn uh, about you know the evidence for for faith and how when, once she accepted Christ, how now it's like now she's free to be able to to look at everything. And because you see, she she said something interesting, son. She said she was at a point in her life where you know she was going to start researching the religions, but but she knew it had to be something other than Christianity because she knew it couldn't be that. But again, this is how Satan, you know, works his way around people's minds and weaves a web around people. And you see it, uh, you know, with, uh, you know, in academia and in, in the media and the culture, um, you know, people become convinced, well, certainly can't be Christianity. can't be Jesus. He can't be the truth. He can't be the only way to heaven and all these reasons. But, but when you come to Christ with an open mind and an open heart, and I would encourage anybody to check out, that video, they could either go to the Explore God uh, website. That's all. Just just Google Explore God, and, and you'll you'll get to that. And her testimony. Her name is Jennifer, and it's probably right there on the homepage when you get there. Or you could check out, you know, the message I gave. I have some other things in that message that I think uh, folks would find interesting. But um, but yes, yeah, son, you know, uh, the evidence is there. The evidence is there, but but an open heart will be needed, an open mind, and then at the end of the day, a step of faith. It says, "Wow." I'm not going to argue with him anymore. I'm going to I'm going to bow the knee, um, give my sin to Christ, receive him as my savior, and and become his follower forever. And, and that's the only um, really logical, but the only wise uh, uh, way to approach the, the death and resurrection of Jesus. Dan Delzell with me talking about Easter. And Dan, you mentioned the uh, rallying cry, you know, the uh, disciples and all his followers after the resurrection going out and being motivated and being inspired and being all those words to, you know, spread the gospel and even lay their own lives down for it. It reminds me of the um, ultimate, if you know that famous line, you know, win one for the Gipper. This is yeah. the biggest win one for the Gipper moments probably in the history of winning one for the Gipper is these disciples and his followers after the resurrection going out yeah. and, yeah. you know, spreading the gospel. Because like you said, that that's a good point, you know, that the for, for proof that the resurrection happened is that if it did not, because how many cults or how many other religious groups yeah. and things where the leader yeah. goes away and it collapses? And it dies. And there might be, you know, a few exceptions here and there. But in ultimate, yeah. you know, reality, the, the leader goes away and the followers, to, you know, dissipate. Here it was the Absolutely. opposite. Here it was the opposite. You yeah. know, Jesus died. And sure, they were all dejected for those couple days. And then even after the resurrection, there was a little bit of like, hey, what's going on? Now, yeah. all of a sudden, then, you know, the gospel explodes because you've got the whole New Testament that follows with everything yeah. that went on. And so that's kind of an interesting point that you bring up about the uh, the fact of the disciples being inspired to go out instead yeah. of just folding yeah. and disappearing as evidence for the resurrection. Well, and actually, Son, I'm so glad you mentioned that because even like my message this Sunday, the online message, I'm going to have, uh, you know, two or three uh, little clips from some speakers, you know, Gary Habermas and... Uh, um, uh, and then, uh, you know, uh, one from, uh, there's a gentleman on the Explore God uh, website who had some great thoughts just along the line of what you just said. This is it, son. I mean, you know, uh, I would challenge any listener, you know, if you're wondering about this, try to find anywhere in the history of the world where a group of people died for a lie knowing it was a lie. And I would challenge you to find that, and, and you won't find it. I mean, you know, son, you mentioned uh, last week in our, uh, in our talk about uh, Jim Jones, the cult leader, and, and you know, um, you know, 900 or whatever it was, all those people who committed suicide, that mass suicide 
there back like in the seventies. Um, they died for a lie, but they didn't know it was a lie. You know, they didn't die for like knowing it was a lie. Uh, you know, people don't get into a cult um, uh, unless they're convinced that, you know, this is where, you know, I'm supposed to be. And this is true. Uh, so in the case of Christ's followers, you know, they, they did not understand, even though Jesus had told them he was going to die and rise again, they, they were still in their minds under kind of this, this Jewish idea of the Messiah being an earthly king. I mean, all the Jews thought that. In fact, I've even got a clip here in this, uh, this Sunday uh, of Tim, Tim Keller, who's this the one, he's uh, not a Redeemer now, retired from that, but Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York City, and just phenomenal. Uh, Tim Keller, I mean, his, his books and his pastoral ministry, I mean, just off the charts. But Tim has reached many intellectuals for Christ, and, and he had to figure out how to do that in New York City with all of the skepticism and atheism. Uh, but my goodness, he is such an eloquent um, you know, spokesman for the gospel. But I have a clip by Tim Keller this Sunday where basically he's just saying, I mean, it, it would never have occurred to a Jew in that day uh, to somehow think that, that, that God could somehow be a man or, or, or that somehow, you know, his death could bring you eternal life uh, or, or anything. It would never have occurred. And, and so it shouldn't surprise us that the, 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 the disciples, they weren't clued in yet to how, you know, death and resurrection, how this is key for, for, you know, the kingdom of Jesus. I mean, he talked a lot about his kingdom, um, but, but they didn't quite understand that not only did the kingdom dwell within them, because Jesus said, my kingdom is within you. He also said, my kingdom is not of this world. I mean, anybody could read the Old Testament, son, and see there's not an emphasis on eternity uh, much at all in the Old Testament. Most of the emphasis is on the here and now. When we move into the New Testament, God begins to kind of draw back the curtain a bit and say, well, hey, um, you know, it's a whole lot bigger than, than just the stuff we talked about in the Old Testament. There were glimpses of it, like in Daniel 12, too. You know, the prophet said, uh, multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. But, but I tell you, Son, that is few and far between. I mean, out of the, the thousands and thousands of verses in the Old Testament, very, very little emphasis on eternity. So it shouldn't surprise us that the Jews of Jesus' day, and as many Jews today, are the same way. They don't, they don't think in terms of eternity. Their minds just aren't geared that way. And, and yet Jesus came and, and pulled back the curtain, and he said, what I'm doing here now, this is going to be for your eternal welfare. So even if, even if a pandemic strikes, um, guess what? It is well with your soul if you're, if you're with me. I mean, son, this is, this is life-changing. This is what the world needs today more than ever. And so Easter could not have come at a more important time right now after this uh, quarantine, the world shut down, so many people in their homes, not, not, you know, wondering, when am I going to go back to work? Well, folks, you know, in some ways, son, this shutdown is just a, uh, just a tiny, tiny glimpse of what's going to happen uh, for so many people when their life ends on earth, because everything is going to change, but it's not going to be, you're going to get to sit around at home and, and uh, you know, and maybe eat cookies and watch TV or whatever it is. No, there are two extreme eternal destinations and only two there's paradise, which is beyond anything you could possibly imagine or want far exceed any hope or expectation you'd ever have. And then there's hell in the Bible, which is, you know, way, way worse than, than a person's worst day, you know, on earth. So 
um, this is you know, nothing to trifle with. You know, this is eternity, and everyone listening to this podcast, uh, everyone has an immortal soul to go with their body, and one day we're going to have a, an, uh, an immortal body as well that will not be capable of perishing. And, and, uh, and for those of us in heaven, and, and we want to bring as many as we can with us, um, for those of us in heaven, we're going to be so glad that our, our new body and our soul is at peace with God, and we're going to be loving life. So, you know, there's no, no other way to say it. We are going to be loving life like never before. Yeah, even the My Pillow guy got up at a press conference uh, one day not too long ago and said, maybe this is the time to start reading the Bible again and getting back to some of those yeah. things. You know, it's, yeah. it talks about in Luke. Um, something like this. This is the Edom version of the Bible. Uh, basically, we reap what we sow. You know, in Luke, Luke uh, 21, something like that, uh, it talks about, you know, the due reward for our deeds. You know, we're going to basically, mm-hmm. you know, reap what we sow, what we, what we, what we, get, we get what we deserve. And in this case, with the, with the crucifixion, the resurrection, we're talking about, you know, with sin, if we don't repent, then there's going to be a consequence, and that's what we're going to reap. That's the reward yeah. that we're going to get. And if we do repent and turn yeah. to Christ, we get that reward. When you look at yeah. the whole event of the crucifixion, Jesus on the cross, you, we talked a little bit earlier about the uh, the thieves. One accepted him and was in paradise, and the other rejected him. But then there was a right. centurion, and oftentimes, I've never really yeah. heard too much about this centurion. He sits there, yeah. and he looks up, and he says, this truly is a uh, holy man. Um, yeah. You know, do we know anything about the centurion and what 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 might that? Because he seems to be kind of like one in the middle. There seems to be the thief on the cross that accepted Jesus and was accepted into yeah. paradise. The one that ultimately rejected Jesus, and so we can understand yeah. the two ends of the spectrum. But then a lot of us, we kind of fit in what I would like to say as the centurion that we recognize Jesus yeah. for who he is, but yet maybe we yeah. don't truly follow him, and maybe yeah. you know we're somewhere kind of stuck in the middle. And so, you know, yeah. maybe maybe we need that, to yeah. check ourselves. That's a great question, Simon. In fact, just to kind of set the, the stage for that, you know, in, uh, in Luke that you referenced, in Luke 23, beginning in verse 44, uh, we're told it was now about the sixth hour and darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour for the sun stopped shining and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. When all the people who had gathered to witness this sight saw what took place, they beat their breasts and went away. But all those who knew him, now that's interesting, Simon, because remember, Jesus had told his disciples, um, I am the good shepherd, I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. And so here it's saying, but all those who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. Now, um, you ask a great question about the centurion. You know, um, it, it is interesting that that he he seemed to certainly understand that that Jesus was not um, not a, a normal person to say the least. You know, surely this was a righteous man. Um, you know, I, I don't know that we can, can read too much uh, into that. Um, you know, the, uh, it's interesting that, that what he, you know, he didn't say, now not to say he didn't believe it necessarily, but, but, you know, he didn't necessarily say, um, you know, this man was, uh, was the savior of the world. This man was the son of God, uh, who, who died to save us. So, so as you say, son, I think there are those today in the middle who, um, certainly are not, and they would never see themselves in that category of 
being haters of Jesus. They don't feel any hatred in their heart toward him. They don't feel any hatred in their heart toward Christians. They, they, they just kind of tend to be, you know, live and let live. And, and uh, you know, everybody's entitled to their own religion. And, and some people in that group, Son, would, would um, tend to look at Jesus as a good man, as a righteous man. And, of course, we know what C.S. Lewis said, you know, about those who just say that Jesus was a, was a good man, but, but not, not really the, the Savior, the only Savior of the world. You know, C.S. Lewis made it very clear, well, you know, that, that's nonsense because there are only three options uh, with, with Jesus. You can, you can uh, call him a liar and say that, you know, everything he said was just a, a ball-faced lie and he was a phony and a fake. Um, you, could, you could call him uh, a lunatic and say he was out of his mind. You know, he, he, he may have thought he was all this, but, but he was out of his mind. He was just crazy, okay? Or you can bow down before him as the Lord of the universe and your personal Lord and Savior. So either liar, lunatic, or Lord. What's not in that list, song is a good man. And here's why. Jesus didn't leave that option open to us. He, he, he didn't leave the option open to us. Well, you, you can accept me as a good man and everything's fine. No, that's not an option. The option is turn to Christ and be saved or reject Christ and be lost, and there is no middle ground. So the centurion, um, while it says here he praised God, and, and uh, he says, surely this was a righteous man, even that son is not enough to save a person. I'm not saying, you know, that the centurion, you know, uh, didn't end up, you know, getting saved. I'm just saying that there are a lot of people today, they've not yet moved from beyond just simply saying, Boy, Jesus was sure a noble guy. I mean, I have a lot of respect for him. I mean, I think he lived a great life. I think his sayings are really good. I love the Beatitudes. You know, Jesus modeled it. You know, he, he was so, that's all great. Okay, it's all true. But, but, but the bottom line is this. The only way to be converted is to admit to Christ and, and, and to your Father in heaven that you're a sinner and that Jesus died to save you and you're receiving that gift and trusting in him. That's the only way to be saved. So, so just to, to look at Jesus as a righteous man, um, that in itself will save no one. Um, you know, there's that verse in James, you know, even the demons believe there's a God. Um, it doesn't say they believe in Christ as their savior. In fact, demons don't have that opportunity. Um, they went with Lucifer. Um, their their uh, eternal fate was sealed when they did that. Um, you know, just like Satan himself, he, he has no option now to repent. He, he is, he is lost forever. Um, so also are the fallen angels, a third of the angels who went with, uh, with, with Satan. Um, but, but for those today, son, who are, as you say, in that kind of, maybe that middle ground, maybe there's somebody listening who's like, that's centurion. You know, I've always thought of Jesus as a pretty righteous dude, you know. I think he's cool. I mean, I think Jesus is great, you know. But, you know, you know, I think of a lot of, uh, you know, uh, Buddha and, and all these other things. that They all have something to offer, okay? Um, well, okay, but, but what are you going to do with Jesus? What are you going to do with him? I mean, you can bow before him as your Lord. You can call him a liar. You can call him a lunatic. But, but if you're living life as though he's just a noble man and nothing more than that, when you stand before him one day and he says, depart from me, the reason he's going to say that is the very reason he says in, in, the, in the Bible when it's quoted, Depart from me, I never knew you. I never knew you. So calling Jesus a righteous man doesn't mean you know him. The only way to know him is to meet him. The only way to meet him is to believe in him. The only way to believe in him is to trust his promise. The only way to trust his promise is, is to accept the evidence and, and bow your heart before the Lord and say, yes, Lord. I, I, I receive that. I, I believe that. I'm going to rely on your cross and not my works 
And my friend, if you'll do that today, you will be saved today, and, and that will last and into eternity, and the rest of your life on earth will be spiritual growth, you know, but you have to have this foundation laid. The Bible calls that justification. Everything else is sanctification. That's a process. Justification is the foundation. And just because you call Jesus a righteous man doesn't mean this, the foundation's been laid yet. Doesn't mean you're converted. Doesn't mean you're Christian. I'm not, I'm not saying you're a bigger sinner than, than others, okay? I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying you must be born again. That's what our Lord said. You must be born again. And that's saved, justified, forgiven, redeemed, all through faith in Jesus, the one who died and rose again. Dan Delzell, as we're talking at Easter, you know, we are, um, everyone I'm sure is familiar with the Wizard of Oz, the great, powerful Oz behind the curtain. And then when he was exposed, you know, his, his persona, his, his physical attributes did not compete with his persona. Yeah. His persona was this larger-than-life wizard, and he was kind of this, you know, smaller, older dude. But, yeah. but when you, when you, <laughs> right. you know, when you put back the, when, so when, uh, you know, in the Wizard of Oz, the, the wizards revealed from the curtain, he was hiding behind the curtain is my point. Here, Jesus yeah. on the cross basically rips the temple veil and says, you don't need, I'm going to expose to you who I truly am. And this is who yeah. I am. And there is no secret to who Jesus is. And it's all about yeah. accepting Jesus and forgiveness. And, and the fact yeah. that Jesus is on the cross and he's going through even back to, uh, the time when he's being arrested, you know, uh, the, the, yeah. the servant's ear gets cut off and he heals it. And then yeah. Peter denies him, you know, three times. And yet Jesus forgives. And then the thief on the cross, Jesus forgives. And then the, the soldiers that are mocking him, Jesus asks, you know, forgive them for they know not what they do. And so it's all yeah. about forgiveness. No matter what anybody does to Jesus, mm-hmm. he's forgiving them. And he's like basically ripping. And I love that uh, symbolism when he rips the temple veil because he's like, look at come directly to me. You don't, don't need anything. You don't need anybody else. You can come directly yeah. to me. I am here. Yeah. You don't have to do anything because the thief on the cross just yeah. believed. And all you have to do yeah. is come to me, believe, and you'll be saved. And it's so simple, but yet everything yeah. that is involved in the story of Easter and the crucifixion and the resurrection is so powerful. And so, yeah. you know, and the symbolism is there and everything is there for us. But yet when it gets down to the nuts and bolts of it, it's just so simple because Jesus forgives. And all you have to do is just come to him, just That's right. believe. And today you'll be with him in paradise. Oh my goodness, son. You know, that, that is so, so beautiful. And, you know, you mentioned like, for example, the curtain of the temple being torn in two, you know, how could you have been, uh, you know, a Jewish leader, let's say, or any Jewish person in that day and learned about that, that very, very thick curtain that was torn in two, not by man, but by God himself. And, and the whole symbolism there, son, is just, it's just off the charts in terms of its beauty, because of course, you know, that curtain, uh, only, only the, the high priest was allowed to go into the, the most holy place on the day of atonement, uh, Yom Kippur, only the holy, uh, high priest could do that and only with blood. And, and that, that was to teach God's people that you can't just approach God, you know, with this attitude like, well, Hey, you know, I'm going to go to my buddy and ask for forgiveness. It, it won't work. You know, um, you have to have perfection. So either live a perfect life without any sin and thought, word or deed your whole life ever or have a perfect substitute, okay? Otherwise, you don't get to come to God. It doesn't mean, you know, not that he, he can't be approached, but, you know, um, you, you, you mentioned the Wizard of Oz, son. You know, that's very interesting. I never thought about it that way, but the Wizard of Oz was, you know, all smoke and mirrors, but then behind it, there was nothing, okay? Well, people are going to see smoke and mirrors, uh, you know, they, they thought Jesus was nothing. 
you know, this man brutally crucified on a cross. Who is this? Well, when Jesus comes back in glory, you'll see. It's, it's, it's the flip of that. He, he, he came in weakness. He came in humility. He humbled himself. But one day when he comes back in glory, oh, my goodness. Uh, I mean, when, when the trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ arise, uh, you know, raised first. Um, so, son, today is the day for people to, to really wake up and see that, that that man on the cross was the God-man, fully God, fully man. And when that curtain was torn in two, here's the symbolism, son. Now you and I can approach God directly. We can go to the Father through the Son. Now there's a way. We don't have to have some high priest going in with some animal's blood once a year on the Day of Atonement. Guess what? Jesus atoned for our sins, the Bible says, once for all. Uh, now we have access to God. Uh, now we can approach the throne of grace, the Bible says, with freedom and confidence. You know, I mean, even praying to God, some people say, well, I'm going to pray now. Well, you realize you can't just approach God and pray, and pray. The only way God accepts anybody's prayers is through the Son. I, I mean, is there any, anybody ever wonder, why do we pray a prayer in Jesus' name? And even if we don't necessarily say those words in, in every prayer, um, it, you know, it's not a mantra. It, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's the person of Jesus. It, it's not magic. It, it is supernatural um, relationship with our supernatural God. Uh, through faith in Jesus. So the curtain was torn in two. Um, uh, the, the Lord uh, was, was now, he was dead, uh, but on the third day he would rise again. And so, you know, in the next few days, son, we're going we're gonna to have Friday, and then we're going to have Easter, and it's all part of the package, delivering eternal life in paradise to every one of God's children who know him. And, and you know, it'd be great if we get to heaven and that centurion's in heaven. Well, then we'll know that he knew Jesus. If we get to heaven and he's not there, it's like, man, I wish you would have met Jesus. I wish you would have come to see him it's more than just a righteous man. I mean, he didn't come far enough. You know, he didn't repent. He didn't bow down there and, and maybe seek to just, you know, give his life to Christ right there, which he could have done. You know, the thief on the cross did it, the one thief did, you know. Uh, but it's interesting, son. You know, notice the different words. Uh, the thief on the cross is like, Lord, remember me. So he's like, Lord, you know, I want to be with you. And, and the centurion was more like, man, this guy was righteous. Well, again, I'm not being critical of the centurion. I mean, I'm just saying, admiring Jesus is not the same thing as being one of his followers. Of course, if you're a follower, you're going to admire him, but you're going to worship him, you're going to love him, you're going to serve him, you're going to praise him, you know, all those things, you're going to pray to him, all that. But admiring God, admiring Jesus, that's not enough to be saved. You know, one of the uh, most powerful sayings that I've read in the Bible, kind of gives me chills every time I think about it, is that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue confess yeah. that Jesus is Lord. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't say only if you're a Christian. It doesn't, doesn't does, there's no qualifier. It just says every, yeah. every person. And so, um, yeah. and so we know, yeah. we, we know we've talked about, um, you know, the, the spectrum, let's go back to that spectrum, the thieves on the cross. We, we know those that have mm-hmm. accepted Jesus and, and we've right. talked about those that have not accepted Jesus. And we've talked about yeah. how, you know, you can yeah. accept Jesus if you don't know him, but we go back to the centurion for a moment. What about those? What, uh, what I heard uh, the other day, which I thought was kind of a, a, a chuckle was those CEO Christians, those mm-hmm. Christmas and Easter only type Christians, yeah. you know, yeah. those that yeah. are, we've, we, you know, we talked about last uh, podcast too, about, you know, this is the time of year where a lot of people are more in tune to religion because it is mm-hmm. Holy Week and it doesn't matter what your uh, theology belief is, you're still more kind of yeah. in tune to it because it is that time yeah. of year. 
And so what would yeah. you say to people that are kind of like those CEO type people in, in, in Christianity where you're Christmas, you're Easter, and maybe the rest of the time you're just kind of living your life, doing your thing. And, and maybe you're centurion esque where, yeah, Jesus is a great guy. Uh, yeah, I believe. Yeah. And maybe, you know, they fall in that middle spectrum, but you know, what would you challenge yeah. them yeah. to, uh, to yeah. do at Th- this time of you, life? Son. Thank you. Yeah. Great, great thought there, son. And, and here would be a way I, I might approach that. And anybody listening today, you know, uh, Think about the difference between um, the feelings of infatuation when you're dating someone, especially the early days of dating someone. Um, and then for those of us who've been married, you know, my wife and I will celebrate our 30th uh, wedding anniversary um, here at the end of this year in December. But, but think about it this way, okay? And, and this goes to your, your point there, there on that sign of the C&E. Um, Christmas and Easter are very sentimental times, especially Christmas, but, but both can be sentimental. Um, you know, the Christmas hymns, people get sentimental, okay? Here's the thing, son, I, I would say to any listener here today. Be careful that you don't settle for sentiment. You know, it, it would be like somebody who's like, you know, all they're doing is bouncing around from one relationship and infatuation to the other. You know, once they lose the buzz, oh, well, you know, that's, I, I, hear, I, I want that all the time. Okay, I'm going to drop this one, I'm going to come to another one, another one, another one. And then guess what? Some people get married, and it's like, oh, why? Where, where, where'd the buzz go? Uh, well, guess what? Um, there's something far deeper than a buzz that is capable, uh, that is possible, but but you're going to have to wrap your mind around the fact you're not always going to just be on this, you know, super high emotional feelings of, of a buzz be- because, you know, that's not the real world that we live in today. And love is much deeper. Do you think Jesus had a buzz when he was on the cross? Do you think he had warm? I mean, he, he had feelings for us, but I mean, this was more difficult than we could ever imagine. Marriage is tough. Relationships are tough. Um, and, and so I would say to the, maybe the C&E person's not as this. Have you settled for sentiment? You know, and, and here's the thing, okay? Christ doesn't ask anyone to, um, you know, just have warm and fuzzies a couple times a year. He says, come and follow me. Okay, come and follow me. So it's like going, walking down the aisle. Okay. You know, sometimes you hear somebody, they'll say, well, that person, they're afraid of commitment. Well, okay, maybe, maybe that person's afraid of commitment. Jesus wasn't. When he died on the cross, that was God saying, I do to you. Okay. So now he's already done his part. He's already paid the price. But what he's asking you for, for today is not that you just merely maybe sit out there in the, in the, a group of people there who were at that wedding watching other Christians walk down the aisle, okay? But he's inviting you down the aisle, okay? Now, I'm not saying that you have to literally walk down an aisle at like a, a, a revival, a crusade, or a church service. Nothing wrong. It's great. I mean, if you feel led to do that, great. Uh, and, and, and make that public professional faith. Beautiful. But I'm saying to be a Christian, you know, that's not the key. You, you can become a Christian without doing that. But you cannot become a Christian without walking down the aisle. You cannot become a Christian without saying, I do. You cannot become a Christian without saying, you know, Lord, I want more than sentiment with you. Because when you were dying for me, you gave me so much more than sentiment. You know, the warm fuzzies that I enjoy on Christmas and Easter, millions of people enjoy that. You know, millions of people. Lord, I think you're calling me for some, to something deeper. So, so that would be the thing, my friend. You know, is, is Christianity just something sentimental for you? And then when you maybe you face a hardship or a challenge, you know, it's kind of like Jesus is like, like that, that, that relationship where we're now the infatuation is done. I'm moving on. Okay. If that's the case, I mean, don't beat yourself up because it call what it is. Own it. You know, just say, Hey, you know, I guess I treated Jesus that way. Uh, it's, I, I never went down the aisle. I, you know, I never committed myself to Christ. 
I've never trusted him as my savior. And then saying, you know, Lord, we're in this together for the long haul. And I'm so grateful to, to be here with you. So it becomes a very personal relationship. This is why people talk about it that way. It's like, do you have a personal relationship with Christ? So think about marriage, whether you're a single person or not. Think about marriage. Think about Christ standing at the altar. And then think about living every day with him 24-7, being in church 24-7, because that's what it becomes. You're in church 24-7. But church isn't the building. Your body becomes the temple. The Holy Spirit comes to live within you. It's just like marriage. Marriage is 24-7, and it should be. And, and, and you know, and, and, and there are good times and rough times, and, and, but, you're, but you're so thankful to have your soulmate, you know. Um, and, and so are you thankful to have Jesus today? He, sure, he would sure be thankful to have you. He would sure be grateful to have you, but do you want to be one of his sheep? Do you want to be? You got to answer that for yourself. Do you want to be a follower of Christ? He's not going to force you to want that. Um, do you want that? Do you want to go to heaven? Do you want to be saved? Do you want to be forgiven? So only you can answer that question. Like, do you want to get married? Well, not everybody does. Not everybody wants to become a Christian. Not everybody. So, so it's up to you, my friend. He's done everything to make it available for you today. And, and, uh, so I would say, son, that's, that's probably a good analogy that, uh, maybe a C and E type person, um, who, who's just been living on sentimental Christianity, or maybe even I would call it a sentimental, um, uh, maybe just Christian, uh, uh, events, sentimental Christian events, two events a year. I mean, try having a marriage or try being gone, you know, uh, 12 months of the year, except for two weeks, you're home with your spouse. How's that going to work? Oh, I'm gone every week. I mean, I'm gone six days a week. I see my spouse twice a year. How's that working out for you? You know, how's that working? Uh, you know, how's a marriage like that going to last more than, than a few months? So, so this thing is, you're, you're all in. You got to be all in. If you're all in, go for it. You know, don't get married to somebody unless you're going to be all in. And I realize, I mean, sometimes things go sideways and then, you know, and, and so I'm not suggesting that that doesn't happen in marriage, but it doesn't have to happen with the Lord. You know, nothing has to, nothing, nothing will come between you and the Lord. If, if, if you just will commit your life to him and, and he's going to hang out with you and then just keep your eyes on him. And, and there it is, Don. That's, that's what Easter can do for anyone who wants it. Well, thanks, Dan, for sharing that. You know, someone asked me one time as we wrap up here that, uh, and it was a conversation regarding the sanctity of life, but they were asking me, when does life begin? And mm-hmm. I was kind of being a little facetious uh, in my conversation, my remarks, and I was like, life begins at the cross. Didn't answer, mm. It didn't answer their question, obviously. But, you know, in real life, right. it's true. Life right. does begin at the cross because we could be born and then we're right. going to live our life. And then when we die, you know, it's, it's over. But if we right. accept the cross, if we accept Christ on the cross, then that's when yeah. life truly begins. And so there's Amen. no – and even though every day is a good day to contemplate that, there's no better time than A, Easter, Amen. B, the time yeah. that we're in right now, yeah. and C, just right. the fact that, you know, we talked about uh, life's uncertainties last time. You know, we are in such an uncertain time. The only thing yeah. that we can be certain of is our relationship with Jesus and where we're going to go when we die. Those are the only two things oh that we goodness, can be certain God. of. And how you've been describing it over the last, uh, the last hour yeah. and last pa- podcast, all people have to yeah. do is just believe, cling to that cross, and that's where Amen. life begins. Oh, my goodness, son. You know, um, I was just thinking as you said that, that, you know, right now, you know, so many of us and many of our fellow Americans are kind of focused on, you know, when's that st- stimulus check going to arrive and, what do I need to do and, and all this and that, you know, and here's the thing, son, for anybody listening to this podcast today, this Edom Rocks podcast, anybody who truly is starting to see what's happening right here in these moments, okay, they can begin to see, you need to tell me, okay, so the government's going to help me here with, with uh, 
this stimulus check. Okay, I got some money coming. It's going to help for a while. But what seems to be coming through on this Eden Rocks podcast today is a ticket to an eternity in the best possible land I could ever live. And whereas a stimulus check is going to get me, you know, down the road a little ways, this podcast might get me through eternity. That's exactly what it is, my friend. So I hope, I hope you see that. I hope you see that this is on such a different level of benefit. I mean, yeah, we all would like to have that stimulus check, of course. You know, right now, I mean, like family, you know, out of work, this and that. But, but folks, we're talking about something on such a better level than that. I mean, 100 years from now, you think we're going to be thinking about a stimulus check? Everyone listening will either be in, the, in paradise or in hell. And, and God wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. And, and son, you know, one thing I'll just throw in, and, and not to dwell on this, but um, I heard a horrific news event. Um, they weren't necessarily able to verify it uh, yet, but, but it had been reported. So again, I'm not stating, but you just think of this as like an, an analogy then. I'm not, I'm not stating it as, as absolute fact. I don't know for sure, but it was reported that some folks in Wuhan, China there had heard some people screaming, people who'd been placed in body bags, people who had not yet died, people who were thrown into this furnace while still alive. Now, I don't mean to be that extreme, but when you read what the Bible says about hell and the weeping and gnashing of teeth there, um, we would be remiss if, if all we ever talked about was paradise. As if, well, you can either be annihilated, exist never again, or go to paradise. My friend, those aren't the options. The options are what Jesus talked about as a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth where the fire never goes out, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Or paradise. Those are the options, okay? I didn't invent them. You know, I mean, hell is the second toughest doctrine in the Bible to believe. The toughest is that the Son of God would come here and suffer the agony he did. The perfect righteous, sinless Son of God for you and I. That's the toughest thing. But if you'll believe that, you don't have to worry about the other thing. You, you, that, that will never touch you. That furnace will never touch you. We, we could talk, you know, at length about it, and you might have misgivings on the other. I understand that. That's natural. Who doesn't? But if we're going to talk about God's Word and things that are beyond our understanding, to either accept or reject, there it is. Okay, we're pulling no punches. And Edom Rocks pulls no punches in this podcast. And, Son, that's why I so appreciate what you do, you know, because you emphasize the good news. You emphasize the gospel. But every now and then, you also remind folks, I mean, folks, you know, this isn't playtime here. This isn't like, oh, well, take it or leave it. It's like Jesus was, he was as serious as serious could be about this stuff. He talked about heaven and hell all the time. So there it is. There it is, son. You know, Easter is hope, encouragement, and salvation. Yeah, Dan, it's always important to remember the alternate alternate side, too, because sometimes we like to forget that and think everything's just rosy, but there is a real right. consequence. And the other thing I might add as we wrap up here is that, um, you know, we yeah. talk about believing in stimulus checks and things like that. You know, with the way the yeah. government goes, Jesus might actually yeah. come back before you get that stimulus check. Oh, there you go. You just there never you go, know, so right? No, you're, you're exactly right about that. You know, hey, one day, my daughter, Hannah, this was, I don't know, a few years ago. Um, uh, she she heard some. She seriously thought that was maybe like the trumpet. She thought she heard the trumpet sound. You know, the Bible says, you know, the trumpet will sound. And so I mean, I mean, we we've raised our kids to love Jesus, you know, and and so they know that trumpet sound's going to come one of these days. And and so you know, my friend, you you can be looking forward to that day, not not just escaping the world that you're in and burying your head in the sand, waiting to go to heaven. I'm talking about really, um, hey, watch that testimony uh, of that Jennifer from the Explore God 
a website who went from atheism to Christianity, you know, um, it's like her whole world now is opened up. She's free to ask questions, not only about science and, and, and she's always done that, but now also about spiritual things. You listen to her words and see if, if that won't help to change your perspective, uh, about, about the Lord and his love for you. Dan Delzell, thanks so much. We appreciate your time. Uh, people can find you. I know you're talking about uh, your Facebook uh, for the church and where people can, if they need a place to go for this Sunday, for Easter Sunday, or any Sunday for that matter. Can you just remind us how people can watch your uh, a- your, your sermons and maybe Don. reach you uh, personally? Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, if, if you, my friend, would just, just Google uh, uh, Redeemer uh, Papillion, P-A-P-I-L-L-I-O-N, Redeemer Papillion, Nebraska, Facebook, and um, uh, so like this Sunday, we, we've been doing these online messages like so many churches. And so there are several on there. There'll be an Easter one, uh, of course, this Sunday. But uh, I'd encourage you to, to watch those. Um, if you have a chance, it would be interested in doing that. Um, I think it would just kind of reiterate a lot of what Son and I are talking about today. And I think you'd find it to be um, hopefully you know, very helpful uh, as you're sorting through these issues. And you can find me on Instagram at Edom Rocks, E-I-D-E-M-R-O-C-K-S. And you can uh, also uh, DM me there if you want to uh, reach out. Dan, thanks so much. We appreciate it. I know uh, Holy Week's always a busy time for pastors because it's, uh, it's one of the two major holidays for, uh, for Christianity. Appreciate your time. Thanks so much. And we look forward to uh, future conversations down the road. Well, it was completely my pleasure, Son. Thank you again for all you do. And um, I, too, am looking forward to our, our next time together. And for you that are listening, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Do tell a friend. Uh, think about the cross because life does begin at the cross. And until next time, God bless.